Well, I'm honored to be here during this series of the seven deadly sins. I um, can't say I'm delighted about having delivered this topic. Chosen to do so, I believe that would be a fair assessment, that I was chosen to deliver on this. I think by that reputation, those of you that are on the Goshen campus knew that uh, Pastor Rem introduced me earlier as old school, uh, to which I did properly uh, stand up in the spot I was being seated and did uh, mention that he is as old school as I am old school. But then when you get as old as me, we get sensitive about anything old. Uh, but I got this low-hanging fruit called lust as the, one of the seven deadly sins and I am honored to be able to open up the Word of God when it comes to this uh, idea. Um, now, what I want to do, I want to I jump right in. I want to read my stats. Then I want to present the solution to the issue. And then I'm, I'm giving you this preview because then I'm going to bear down a lot harder. Uh, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to become more painful then it will become easier. But I want to present the solution early on here so that you see that God is not just pounding us. He makes a provision for us. Anytime we feel conviction, the only reason we feel conviction is the nerve endings of your soul are still alive. And there's still a sense of hope and there's a sense of way through the types of things that we face. So, lust as a biblical concept, Jesus presents it. We're going to look at it in just a few minutes in Matthew 5. If you lust after a woman, he challenges us with the idea that you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. That concept in the original text means to long after, long for, to covet, to set your thoughts upon, set your feelings upon, or set your affection toward. The Bible describes lust two ways, lust of the flesh and lust of the eye. Of course, then the third one there is the pride of life, which is pride, one of the seven deadly sins. But specifically, lust of the flesh is, is the epidemic proportion of addictions we see. Lust of the eye I mean, lust of the flesh is just part of it because lust of the eye are those things that we set our affection so toward that it becomes our center. That lust of the eye, that thing becomes our idol. Um, a little example of that. Years ago, um, I was at someone's home and uh, had to visit the facilities of their home, you know, the infrastructure part. Do I have to go into the details here? Because I can. I was raised with two brothers. Um, so I had to visit, and, and you know, you're, 
your major concern when you visit that area of someone's home doing what it was that I was needing to do is, is are they going to have their own air freshener? Because I did not bring my own matches, which uh, if you if you are aware that, uh, if, if, you did, if you don't, this is just a little side note, matches neutralize an odor, especially you're in a friend's house and you don't want to let them know what it is you just did. Um, so I, I looked around, no air freshener. I opened up the, the, you know, the, the cabinets below and above, no air freshener anywhere. Um, so, I mean, that's when you panic, right? But just before the panic set in, I started to look around the facilities. And around the facilities were pictures of Porsches. One red, one powder blue, one some other color, Porsches. I've never seen pictures of cars in the facilities before. So I became a little preoccupied with it, friendly enough with the person I was visiting that after the whole thing, I inquired as to, if you don't mind me saying so, which is just a prerequisite to say, I'm going to blab it out anyway. It doesn't matter what you think. Uh, if you don't mind me saying so, um, I noticed that you had quite a number of Porsches in the facilities, to which they explained that they were under the tutelage, the coaching of a motivational speaker who told them that you need to put the object of your affection at eye level to where you spend the most amount of your time. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Um, so let's get on with that. Okay, so uh, get past that part of it. Okay, so I'm, so I'm inquiring deeper into it. So, so the Porsche is the object of your affection. And then it clicked with me. It's the, you know, lust of the eye. That stuff can be as much of a lust as anything else. So I don't want to leave that out I, I'm, because I've got the stats for the other, the, the uh, lust of the flesh. I've got these statistics right here. I'm going to read them. But, but I don't want to leave out the idea that there might be some of us where lust of the flesh is not your issue. But you still need to be open enough with God to see that lust of the eye might be. Um, I, and I fast forward to just a couple of weeks ago. We were out to dinner with some friends, and um, we were in Jerusalem, and they were going to take us back to the hotel. And I, I never, really, never really gauged on what kind of car I might be getting into. Uh, walked through the parking lot. It was dark. We got into this car. Man, I mean, I can smell the rich leather still in my nostrils. You know, we got in the car, and I'm, I didn't notice what it was. It was one of these Porsche Cayennes. And now this is, Israel, this is Jerusalem, Israel. Uh, cars are 50% more expensive. So, you know, your $125,000 SUV would be 50% more expensive, uh, $185,000. And you take that amount and double it because of the, all the taxes, the import taxes, the state taxes, so on and so forth. 370,000 US dollars on this car. 
And this guy's behind the wheel and his daughter's with him, uh, Benny and Talia, uh, Benny Savan, the owner of IGT. And, and he goes to pack, back out. And I mean, this car has one of these huge screens. You know how your backup camera, you know, gets smaller all the time. You get a little snow in it. You can't see anything, you know. Um, this thing had this, I mean, you could have put this in, in your theater room. Okay, I'm being a little dramatic, but I mean, this is the hugest camera I've ever seen in a car. And so I'm sitting in the back seat. I could see, I could see the grass blades two blocks down in the back of his, okay, get my point. So he goes to back it up and Talia, the daughter, saying, Dad, you know, there's no place for you to roll. He makes this remark that really struck me and stuck with me. He said, Talia, this car is here to serve me, not me here to serve it. It's only a car. And even I say from the back seat, 375,000 U.S. dollars is more than just a car, you know. <laughs> lust of the eye. Okay, now here's lust of the flesh. Over 40 million Americans are regular visitors to porn sites. The average visit lasts 6 minutes, 29 seconds. There are 42 million porn sites, which totals 370 million pages of porn. The porn industry's annual revenue is more than the NFL, NBA, and Major League Baseball all combined. It is also more revenue than the combined revenues of ABC, CBS, and NBC. 47% of families in the United States reported that pornography is a problem in their home. Pornography increases marital infidelity by more than 300%. 11 years old is the average age a child is first exposed to porn and 94% of children will see porn by the age of 14. 46% of American divorces involve one party having an obsessive interest in pornographic websites. And there's more. 68% of church-going men and over 50% of pastors view porn on a regular basis. 33% of women aged 25 and under search for porn at least once a month. 55% of married men and 25% of married women say they watch porn at least once a month. Of 137 million workers in America, 38 million of those workers view porn in the workplace to the tune of an hour and 38 minutes a month, creating a net loss in U.S. business practice of $16.8 billion in pornography. Now, the thing is about pornography, it's not lust of the flesh or all lust of the flesh. It's not just something that you can watch and go about your business. Because all the studies show that regularly watching porn rewires your whole brain circuit. 
rewires the reward circuit of your brain in such a way that it will induce a change in your body chemistry. And in those changes of body chemistry create concentration problems, social isolation, anxiety, emotional numbness, or emotional hypersensitivity, creates depression, creates depressive behaviors, creates brain fog, sexual issues, induces fetishes and perversions, and it releases what the body chem the dopamine of the body chemistry which can create all kinds of physical illnesses. Pornography is a huge problem in our culture at so many levels. But you don't have to live that way. Jesus framed it for us in Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in spirit, for they shall see God. That blessed idea, the makaros, you know, we call them the uh, Beatitudes. And to, to say that they're the be happy attitudes is way too much of a lightweight interpretation of such a powerful concept as Mac, of Makaros. Makaros, the way that Jesus framed it on the Mount of Beatitudes, on the day that he presented the Sermon on the Mount to 500 men plus women, uh, 5,000 men plus women and children, over 10,000 people on that mountain on that day. The way he framed Makaros and the way he framed the series of Makaros solutions coalesces with every single one of these deadly sins. And when you think about how lust is destroying both our subculture of our family and the culture of our world today, when you think in terms of Makaros, Jesus is saying that you can live your life to be so clearly set apart that everyone doesn't want to just be you. They want to be you. Makaros, you're the light, you're the salt. Jesus is saying that there's a way to live your life in such a way that you can be set apart from the culture, that the culture does not have to control you. You don't have to serve the culture. You don't have to be addicted to the lust of the flesh. But it requires some action concepts. The idea of pure heart, the cardia, means a clean center. It means clean thoughts and clean feelings and clean attitudes. Jesus said that those people that have clean thoughts and clean feelings and clean attitudes will see God. That concept of theon, or the idea of, um, let's see, will see theon. The, and, and the opsitai is the idea of experience. From the top of your head to the tips of your toes, that kind of experience. Uh, will see, you'll experience theon. Now, this is not specifically Jehovah, or it would have said Jehovah. This is not specifically El Elohim both words for God, but this is the, the complete, theon is a complete experience of God. This is a higher level of existence, the highest level of experience, and that is that, and, and this is the experience of the truest level of Jesus in your life, that you shall experience Jesus in your day-to-day, moment-by-moment, breath, you will experience Jesus 
in the cleanness of your thought, in your feeling, in the cleanness of your attitude. How do I experience God at that level? I first of all have to acknowledge the fact that I have not been clean in my thoughts and in my feelings and my attitude. I've got to admit it. I've got to admit it to myself. Now you're all scared I'm going to have, have you admit it to everybody else, right? Well, let me disarm you just a little bit, but not leave you off the hook. When we're finished here today, we're going to have a prayer, sure enough. And it needs to be a life-changing prayer because the truth is there's going to be very few people that ever lay it out at this level. I mean, these statistics are scary enough, right? You watch porn, it will change your life for the negative. It will change your health. It will change your trajectory. But if you turn to God and admit to him, Father, I don't have clean thoughts. I don't have clean feelings. I don't have clean attitudes. For whatever the reason is, I'll tell you what, that's the beginning of the highest level of experience to God. You turn to God and say, I am not there. I do not have clean thoughts and feelings and attitudes. And you tell God you're sorry because you've allowed it to get a hold of you. The minute you tell God you're sorry, boom! <laughs> In the truest sense of a moment, you open up your heart to the deepest lef- level of experience with Jesus. Once you acknowledge it and repent, but you got to do that. You got to acknowledge and you got to repent. And the minute you do those two things, you open up your heart, the truest sense. So what's the action plan? Acknowledge, repent, and open up. And what if I revert back into that level of behavior? I'm going to answer that in just a second here. What if I keep reverting back? I'd say acknowledge, repent, open up. (laughs) And number four, probably repeat as often as necessary. Because if you repeat it, in a consistent way, those action steps. God is faithful. He is just. He is always, always, always there for you. Verse 27, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now he bears down into it. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. For it is better to you lose one part of your body than your, for your whole body to smell like Gehenna. Now, Gehenna is that place in Jerusalem where they carry all their garbage, where the septic emptied into. And the Jews thought that the best way to deal with that is to torch it, burn it. So there's that spot outside the city of Jerusalem in one spot that's called Gehenna. Now, they all knew what it was, but they never would speak of it because it was so awful, so smelly, it was like a punishment to even mention it. Even to this day, I can't get a tour guide in Israel to point out where it is. I have to always bring it up. You know, and even when I bring it up, they don't like to even talk about it. (laughs) Interestingly enough, Jesus referred to it from time to time. 
this spot called Gehenna. And if you're interested, they've made a park out of it. I mean, it really is a nice park. But you can, the way it is trapped down a valley, you can see it's where the lowest spot where everything would run to. Their septics would run to, and, and they'd throw their garbage in it, and that sort of thing. Jesus is saying that if you're, if you allow yourself to be caught up in the lust of the flesh, you will feel like that level of crap. You will feel like crap. Now, aren't you tired of feeling that way? Truly. You don't have to live this way. He's already given us the solution. He framed it in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the pure in spirit, for they shall see God. You don't have to live this way. You don't have to keep feeling like Gehenna. But here's what it requires. That idea of gouge out your eye, the harcomii. That means to actively and continually tear it out, take it out, pull it out, push it out. Just get it out of your life. And and that... uh, concept of scandalazi um, that and, and this is this is interesting enough as Lamoris uh, dealt with sin last week the concept for sin was to miss the mark the scandalazo idea this week of lust is the idea of being entrapped or tripped up or enticed and all of that takes away your spiritual life takes away your spiritual game. I love the concept of celebrate recovery because it deals with your habits and your hang-ups. It deals with this kind of idea and helps us to actively and continually tear it out, take it out, pull it out, push it out, get it out of your life because it does not belong there. If I acknowledge, repent, and open myself up to God, He is always there to help me. And what I need to do is, many of us have made an idol out of our embarrassment. We've made an idol out of our secret life. And it's time for that to come down too. Because Gehenna is happening and you know it. Man, I could go on like this for a long time. I'll move on if you want. I mean, but I'd like to triple underscore this because we don't get on this subject a lot, and I think while we're on it, we should. I could heap on you a lot more. (laughs) But those of you that God's speaking to already know it, right? Okay, and you don't even have to shake your head yes, okay? (laughs) Because most of you right now are wetting yourselves, right? Wondering where is he going to take this service? Yeah, right? What you need to do is quit thinking about how I'm going to take the service or how I'm going to end this thing up or if you're watching via campus, how your campus pastor is going to end this service. You need to get that out of your thinking and start dealing with what the issue is. You need to snap out of thinking about your own personal embarrassment and realize that you are seeding a sin into your home that will yield sin and scandalazo, entrapment, enticement for generations to come. There's nothing that you're doing in secret that won't be made known in eternity anyway. 
It's time for you to wipe this out of your life because the secret that you're holding is not the big secret you think it is. Because spiritually speaking, you're a target of the enemy. And the enemy is using this thing, this addiction you have. And it's going to creep up in the lives of your children and your children's children. And you're going to wish you had dealt with it on a morning like this. So you can, you can gouge it out, but Jesus takes it to the next level. Verse, uh, verse 30 says, and if your right hand causes you to stumble. Now this is where he's knocking the props out from under us because the hands to the Hebrews were your source of power and strength that represented your job, your career, your income, your resources. If your job, your career, your resources causes you to be enticed and entrapped or takes out your spiritual life, your spiritual game, if your source resources cause you not to be closer to God, but to be more distracted, he said it's better for you to cut off your right hand and throw it away. Then for you, and it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into. Now he takes it up a notch. Then for you to suffer the punishment of eternity, Gehenna forever. So there it goes. <laughs> Those of you that have dismissed the idea of hell because somebody's taught you there wasn't such a thing, you're being severely misled. Because the truth is, there is such a thing as a heaven to gain and a hell to shun and stay out of and away from. Jesus says it right here in Matthew 5.30. That idea of hell or Gehenna, Jesus is saying that spot we all ignore in Jerusalem, that's an eternal state that we need to avoid. But he's not presenting a problem without a solution. He's saying, cut off your right hand, the epicopson, the, the idea of remove, cut it off, cut it out, uh, discontinue, stay away from it, <laughs> is, the idea, is, is his answer to the idea that there's nothing in this life that we should not give up to avoid eternal Gehenna. And he's saying that those addictions will grow so large in our lives that they will pull us into hell. Then finally, Jesus said, if you don't gouge it out or cut it off, those things that entrap, entice, trip you up, or cause you to lose out spiritually, or create a spiritual impurity, It'll be like living in an eternal garbage pile and your end result will be everlasting Gehenna. Let's pray together. Father, be with us today as we bear down in prayer these challenges that you've presented us from your word. This is your word, O oh God. Your presence is alive and real. Forgive us because we've allowed ourselves to become distracted, disoriented, disillusioned. We've allowed the lust 
of the flesh, the lust of the eye, to mislead us. Forgive us, God, and be with us wherever we're listening. If it's one of our campuses, I just ask in these next few moments that you would minister deeply into our hearts. If we're watching via the internet, help us to stay tuned and tuned in. If you're here with me live right now, I want you just to bask in the presence of God just for a moment during this song, just for a moment, and then we're going to have a prayer together. I want you to be ready for that. We're going to have a prayer together. We're going to say to God, God, I'm coming to you today acknowledging my issue. I'm repenting. I'm opening myself up. Now, here's the punchline. Are you still tuned in? Here's the punchline. How do I open myself up? Let God love you. Let God love you. He's here today to love you, to love on you, to love through you. You don't need lust of the eye or the flesh. All you need is the love of God, and he's here today. Let God love you. In Jesus' name, and we said together,